Hello, friends, brothers and sisters, children of God. Welcome back to Jack the Bridge. I'm going to continue reading Ralph Waldo Emerson's Self-Reliance, originally published in 1841. It is a brilliant essay. The the little book I'm reading from is a little hardcover, published by the Peter Pauper Press in Mount Vernon, New York. No actual date in the book as to when this printing was, but I'd say this book is probably uh, was printed in the 20s or 30s, 1920s or 30s. Uh, I would like to just start off the day by saying it is gorgeous out. There's this quietness in the air. Uh, fresh snow fell all night. It's not that much snow, a few inches at this point. This gorgeous blanket of snow just overlays everything. And there is so little noise out there. Just a Millions of tiny little silent echoes of snowflakes landing gently and blanketing everything that you can see. Anyway, before the sun comes up, I'd like to get move forward on this. Uh, one thing I want to reflect on today is, is a thanks, thanks to God. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day, for the bounty that is all around us. Hey, God, also, I'd like to just ask for prayers and healing powers to a couple of friends of mine who are going through a hard time one of whom had a surgery yesterday. The other uh, is a good old friend, and he's broken several bones. And his temple is quite violated. He, he, he actually broke 10 ribs on a fall that he took. And he's a good man. And he and I, we've had a few conversations about God I'll say he knows he's been in my prayers. One of the few people I've ever called a boss. So, anyway, these these people, these elders, these mentors that we have in our lives, we can never undervalue them because these these little these little incidents just happen in a whisper. There's nothing new that I'm telling any of you. Nothing new under the sun. Anyway, with that, I'll I'll just say amen, even though that was the most informal prayer I've ever completed. Thanks for being here. I'll continue with the last short paragraph that I completed the last reading with. Men imagine that they communicate their virtue or vice only by overt actions. Uh, 
and do not see that virtue or vice emit a breath every moment. There will be an agreement in whatever variety of actions, so they be each honest and natural in their hour. For one, for of one will, the actions will be harmonious, however unlike they seem. These varieties are lost sight of at a little distance, at a little light height of thought. One tendency unites them all. The voyage of the best ship is a zigzag line of a hundred tacks. See the line from a sufficient distance and it straightens itself to the average tendency. Your genuine action will plant, will explain itself and will explain your other genuine actions. Your conformity explains nothing. Act singly and what you have already done singly will justify you now. Greatness appeals to the future. If I can be firm enough today to do right and scorn eyes, I must have done so much right before as to defend me now. Be it how it will, do right now. Always scorn appearances, and and you always may. The force of character is cumulative. All the foregone days of virtue work their health into this. What makes the majesty of the heroes of the Senate and the field, which so fills the imagination? Consciousness of a train of great days and victories behind. They shed an United light on the advancing actor. He is attended as by a visible escort of angels. That is it which throws thunder into Chatham's voice and dignity into Washington's port and America into Adam's eye. Honor is venerable to us. It is no ephemera. It is always ancient virtue. We worship it today because it is not of today. We love it and pay it homage because it is not a trap for our love and homage, but is self-dependent, self-derived, and therefore of the old immaculate pedigree, even if shown in a young person. I hope in these days we have heard the last of conformity and consistency. Let the words be gazetted and ridiculous henceforward. Instead of the gong for dinner, let us hear a whistle from the Spartan life. Let us never bow and apologize more. A great man is coming to eat at my house. I do not wish to please him. I wish that he should wish to please me. I will stand here for humanity, and though I would make it kind, I would make it true. Let us affront and reprimand the smooth mediocrity and squalid contentment of the times and hurl it in the face of custom and trade and office. In fact, which is the upshot of all history? And there is a great responsible thinker and actor working wherever a man works, that a true man belongs to no other time or place, but is the center of things. Where he is, there is nature. He measures you and all men and all events. Ordinarily, 
everybody in society reminds us of somewhat else or of some other person. Character, reality, reminds you of nothing else. It takes place of the whole creation. The man must be so much that he must make all circumstances indifferent. Every true man is a cause, a country, an age, requires infinite spaces and numbers and time fully to accomplish his design. And prosperity seemed to follow his steps as a train of clients. A man born, a man Caesar is born, and for ages after, we have a Roman Empire. Christ is born, and millions of minds so grow and cleave to his genius that he is confounded with virtue of the possible of man. An institution is the lengthened shadow of one man as... Monarchism of the Hermit Antony, the Reformation of Luther, Quakerism of Fox, Methodism of Wesley, Abolition of Clarkson, Scipio, Milton called the height of Rome, and all history re revolves itself very easily, resolves itself very easily into the biography of a few stout and earnest persons. Let a man then know his words and keep things under his feet. Let him not peep or steal or skulk up and down with the air of a charity boy, a bastard, or an interloper in the world which exists for him. But the man in the street finding no worth in himself, which corresponds to the force which built a tower of sculptured or sculptured a marble god, feels poor when he looks on these. To him, a palace, a statue, or a costly book have an alien and forbidding air, much like a gay equipage, and seem to say that, Who are you, sir? Yet they are all his, suitors for his notice, petitioners to the faculties that they will come out and take possession. The picture waits for my verdict. It is not to command me, but I am to settle its claims to praise. The popular fable of the sot who is picking up dead drunk picked up dead drunk in the street, carried to the Duke's house, washed and dressed, and laid in the Duke's bed, and on his awakening, treated with all obsequious ceremony like the Duke, and assured that he had been insane, owes its popularity to the fact that it symbolizes so well the state of man, who is in the world a sort of sot, but now and then wakes up, exercises his reason, finds himself a true prince. Our reading is mendicant and sycophantic. In history, our imagination plays us false. Kingdom and lordship, power and estate are a, are a gaudier vocabulary than private John Edward in a small house and common day's work. But the things of life are the same to both. The sum total of both is the same. Why, why all this deference to Alfred and Skanderberg and Gust Gustavus? 
Suppose they were virtuous. Did they wear out virtue? Uh, as great a stake depends on your private act today as followed their public and renowned steps. When private men shall act with original views, the luster will be transferred from the actions of kings to those of gentlemen. The world has been instructed by its kings, who have so magnetized the eyes of nations. It has been taught by the colossal symbol and mutual reverence that is due from man to man. The joyful loyalty with which men have everywhere suffered the king, the noble, the great proprietor to walk among, among them by the law of his own, make his own scale of men and things and reverse their heirs, pay for benefits, not with money, but with honor and represent the law in his person was the hieroglyphic by which they obscurely signified their consciousness of their own right and comeliness, the right of every man. The magnetism which all original action exerts is explained when we inquire the reason of self-trust, who is the trustee? What is the aboriginal self? on which a universal reliance may be grounded. What is the nature and power of the science-baffling star without parallax, without calculable elements, which shoots a ray of beauty even into trivial and impure actions, if the least mark of independent appear? The inquiry, the inquiry leads us to that source. Oh, at once the essence of genius, of virtue, and of life, which we call spontaneity or instinct. We denote this primary wisdom as intuition, whilst all later teachings are tuitions. In that deep force, the last fact behind which analysis cannot go, all things find their common origin. For the sense of being which in calm hours rises, we know not how in the soul is not diverse from things, from space, from light, from time, from man, but one with them and proceeds obviously from the same source whence their life and being also proceed. We first share the life by which things exist and afterwards see them as appearances in nature and forget that we have shared their cause. Here is the fountain of action and of thought. Here are the lungs of the inspiration which giveth man wisdom and which cannot be denied without impiety and atheism. We lie in the lap of immense intelligence which makes us receivers of its truth and organs of its activity. When we discern justice, when we discern truth, we do nothing of ourselves but allow a passage to its beams. If we ask whence this comes, if we seek to pry into the soul that causes all philosophy, is at fault? Its presence or its absence is all we can affirm. Every man discriminates between the voluntary acts of his mind and his voluntary perceptions and knows that to his involuntary perceptions a perfect faith is due. He may err in the expression of them. 
But he knows that these things are so like day and night, not to be disputed. My willful actions and acquisitions are but roving. The idolist reverie, the faintest native emotion, command my curiosity and respect. Thoughtless people contradict as readily the statement of perceptions as of opinions, or rather, much more readily, for they do not distinguish between perception and notion. They fancy that I choose to see this or that thing, but perception is not whimsical, but fatal. If I see a trait, my children will see it after me, and in the course of time, all mankind. Although it may chance that no one has seen it before me, for my perception of it is as much a fact as the sun. The relations of the soul to the divine spirit are so pure that it is profane to seek to interpose helps. It must be that when God speaketh, he should communicate. Not one thing, but all things should fill the world with his voice, should scatter forth light, nature, time, souls in the center of the present thought. And new date and new create the whole. Whenever a mind is simple and receives a divine wisdom, old things pass away. Means, teachers, texts, temples fall. It lives now and absorbs past and future into the present hour. All things are made sacred by relation to it. One as much as another. All things are dissolved to their center by the cause and in the universal miracle, petty and particular miracles disappear. If therefore a man claims to know and speak of God and carries you backward to the phraseology of some old moldered nation in another country, in another world, believe him not. Is the acorn better than the oak, which is the fullness and completion? Is the parent better than the child into whom he has cast his ripened being? Whence, then, this worship of the past? The centuries are conspirators against the sanity and authority of the soul. Time and space are but physiological colors, which the eye makes. But the soul is light. Where it is day is day, where it was, is night. The history is an impertinence and an injury. If it be anything more than a cheerful apologue or parable of my being and becoming. Man is timid and apologetic. He is no longer upright. He dares not say, I think I am, but quote some saint or state or sage. He is ashamed before the blade of grass or the blowing rose. These roses under my window make no reference to former roses or to better ones. They are for what they are. They exist with God today. There is no time in them. There is simply the rose. It is perfect in every moment of its its existence. Before a leaf bud has bust, its whole life acts. In the full-blown flower, there is no more. In the leafless root, there is no less. 
Its nature is satisfied, and it satisfies nature in all moments alike. But man postpones or remembers. He does not live in the present, but with reverted I laments the past or heedless of the riches that surround him stands on tiptoe to foresee, foresee the future. He cannot be happy and strong until he too lives with nature in the present above time. This should be plain enough, yet see what strong intellects dare not hear God himself unless he speak the phraseology of I know not what David or Jeremiah or Paul. We shall not always set so great a price on a few texts, on a few lives. We are like children who repeat by rote the sentences of grandams and tutors. And as they grow older, of the men of talents and character, they chance to see painfully recollecting the exact words they spoke. Afterwards, when they come into the point of view which those had who uttered these sayings, they understand them and are willing to let the words go, for at any time they can use words as good when occasion comes. If we live truly, we shall see truly. It is easy for the strong man to be strong as it is for the weak to be weak. When we have new perception, we shall gladly disburden the memory of its hoarded treasures as old rubbish. When a man lives with God, his voice shall be as sweet as the murmur of the brook and the rustle of the corn. And now at last the highest truth on this subject remains unsaid, probably cannot be said, for all that we say is the far-off remembering of the intuition, the thought by what I can now nearest approach to say is, it is this, when good is near you, when you have life in yourself, it is not by any known or accustomed way. You shall not discern the footprints of any other. You shall not see the face of man. You shall not hear any name. The way, the thought, the good shall be wholly strange and new. It shall exclude example and experience. You take the way from man, not to man. All persons that ever existed are its forgotten ministers. Fear and hope are alike beneath it. There is somewhat low even in hope. In the hour of vision, there is nothing that can be called gratitude, not properly joy. The soul raised over passion beholds identity and eternal causation, perceives the self-existence of truth and right, and calms itself with knowing that all things go well. Vast spaces of nature, the Atlantic Ocean, the South Sea, long intervals of time, years, centuries, are of no account. This which I think and feel underlay every former state of life and circumstances, as it does underlie my present, and what is called life, and what is called death. Life only avails not the having lived, 
Power ceases in the instance of repose. It resides in the moment of transition from a past to a new state, in the shooting of the gulf, in the darting to an aim. This one fact the world hates, that the soul becomes, for that forever degrades the past, turns all riches to poverty, all reputation to a shame, confounds the saints with the rogue, shoves Jesus and Judas equally aside. Why then do we prate of self-reliance? Inasmuch as the soul is present, there will be power, not confident, but agent. To talk of reliance is a poor external way of speaking. Speak rather of that which relies because it works and is. Who has more obedience than I masters me? Though he should not raise his finger, round him. I must revolve by the gravitation of spirits. We fancy it rhetoric when we speak of eminent virtue. We do not yet see that virtue is height. And that a man or a company of men, plastic and permeable to principles, by the law of nature must over the overpower and ride all cities, nations, kings, rich men, poets, who are not. This is the ultimate fact which we so quickly reach on this. As on every topic, the resolution of all into the ever-blessed one. Self-existence is the attribute of the supreme cause, and it constitutes the measure of good to the degree in which it enters into all lower forms. All things real are so by so much virtue as they contain Commerce, husbandry, hunting, whaling, war, eloquence, personal weight, or somewhat, and engage my respect as examples of its presence and impure action. I see the same law working in the nature, in nature for conservation and growth. Power is, in nature, the essential measure of right. Nature suffers nothing to remain in her kingdoms, which cannot help itself. The genesis and maturation of a planet, its poison orbit, the bended tree recovering itself from the strong wind and vital resources of every animal and vegetable are demonstrations of the self-sufficing and therefore self-relying soul. Thus all concentrates, let us not rove, let us sit at home with the cause. Let us stun and astonish the intruding rabble of men and books and institutions by a simple declaration of the divine fact. Bid the invaders take their shoes from off their street, for God is here within. Let our simplicity judge them, and our docility to our own law demonstrate the poverty in nature and fortune beside the native riches. But now we are a mob. Man does not stand in awe of man, nor is his genius admonished to stay at home, to put itself in communication with the internal ocean, but it goes abroad to beg a cup of water of the urns of other men. We must go alone. I like the silent church before the service begins better than any preaching. 
how far off, how cool, how chaste the person's look, begirt each one with a precinct or sanctuary. So let us always sit. Why should we assume the faults of our friend or wife or father or child because they sit around the hearth or are said to have had the same blood? All men have my blood and I have all men's. Not for that will I adopt their, their petulance or folly, even to the extent of being ashamed of it. But your isolation must not be mechanical but spiritual, that is, must be elevation. At times the whole world seems to be in conspiracy to importune you with emphatic trifles. Friend, client, child, sickness, fear, want, charity, all knock at once at thy closet door and say, Come out unto us. But keep thy state. Come not into the confusion. The power men possess to annoy me, I give them by a weak curiosity. No man can come near me but through my act. What we love that we have, but, but by desire we bereave ourselves of the love. If we cannot at once rise to the sanctities of obedience and faith, let us at least resist our temptations. Let us enter into the state of war and wake Thor and Woden, courage and constancy in our Saxon breasts. This is to be done in our smooth times by speaking the truth. Check this lying hospitality and lying affection. Live no longer to the expectation of these deceived and deceiving people with whom we converse. Say to them, O father, O mother, O wife, O brother, O friend, I have lived with you after appearances hitherto. Henceforward, I am the truths. Be it known unto you that henceforward I will obey no law less than the eternal law. I will have no covenants but proximities. I shall endeavor to nourish my parents, to support my family, to be the chaste husband of one wife. But these relations I must fill after a new and unprecedented way. I appeal from your customs. I must be myself. I cannot break myself any longer for you or you. If you can love me for what I am, I shall be the happier. If you cannot, I will still seek to deserve that you should. I will not hide my tastes or aversions. I will so trust that what is deep is holy, and I will do so do strongly before the sun and moon, whatever inly rejoices me, and the heart appoints. If you are noble, I will love you. If you are not, I will not hurt you and myself by hypocritical attentions. If you are true, but not in the same truth with me, cleave to your companions. I will seek my own. I do this not selfishly, but humbly and truly. It is alike your interest and mine that all men's, however long, we have dwelt in lies to live in truth. Does this sound harsh today? Will you will soon love what is dictated, 
by your nature as well as mine. And if we follow the truth, it will bring us out safe at last. But so may you give these friends pain. Yes, but I cannot sell my liberty and my power to save their sensibility. Besides, all persons have their moments of reasons reason when they look out into the region of absolute truth. Then will they justify me and do the same thing. Well, brothers and sisters, that gets us about to the two-thirds breaking point uh, in this reading today. Have a great day. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, do the next right thing. Jesus Christ loves you. I guess I do too.